Welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Eckelbarger. Once again, we get to tour the Army, Navy, and Air Force bases of Old Time Radio with the King of Comedy, Bob Hope, in the Bob Hope Show. This is episode number 490, which originally aired on April 10th, 1951. Here now is the Bob Hope Show, this time from Coronado Naval Air Station, with his special guests, Frankie Lane and Hedy Lamar. The Bob Hope Show, transcribed for the 15,000 fighting sailors at the Naval Air Station here at Coronado Island. With Les Brown and his band of renown, yours truly, High Everback. Our special guests, Frankie Lane and Hedy Lamar. And here he is for the cruise of the flat tops, the man who is flat on both ends, Bob Hope. the men at the Naval Air Station here at Coronado. I drove down here from Los Angeles this afternoon, and I never had so much trouble getting to a base in my life. Someone had told me there was an auto ferry. <laughs> I just thought the fog was a little damper than usual. <laughs> and you should see the speed of those ferry boats. They move about as fast as Crosby picking up a check. I wanted to be real nautical, so I went up to Captain Erd and I said, Ahoy, matey, steady as you go and blow the man down. How did I know he could do it? <laughs> I won't say Captain Erdman's a strict disciplinarian, but the tide can't come in until he gives it permission. this place the cradle of naval aviation. I know it's a cradle. This morning I saw three ensigns passing around a fifth of pablum. <laughs> they sure have some young kids in the Navy. In fact, down here, instead of a brig, they have a playpen with a sentry. you guys get a weekend liberty my picture's playing locally i went to a preview at the other night and while the audience was watching the picture i was busy getting reactions i hope that usherette doesn't talk <laughs> no i you have a different version of the whole thing? Crosby was supposed to be in the picture, too, but Marilyn Maxwell looked so much better in a plunging neckline. <laughs> and besides, love scenes are getting to be too much for Crosby. Lardhead is so old now, before he can kiss a girl, they have to get him to whistle and then quick freeze his pucker. <laughs> Now, 
But that doesn't work too well either. After one kiss, he thaws all over his leading lady. <laughs> but I enjoyed the picture, and I really enjoyed working with Marilyn. She's the kind of a girl you take home to meet your mother after you lock your father in the garage. <laughs> I don't know what the executives at Paramount thought of my performance, but last week they gave me a new dressing room. I liked it much better than my old one. This one's got six wash basins. <laughs> but I had to do a lot of love scenes, but I didn't mind. I've been a great man with women since I was born. That's a fact. Instead of the doctor, the nurse had to slap me. <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Bob, what do you want, hon? Well, excuse me for interrupting, Bob, but I've been wondering, when you go to England, are you going to take me with you? Why should I take you, I? Well, Bob, I've got a great British accent. Uh, listen to this. Uh, this is Admiral Lord Nelson's famous challenge to the enemy at Trafalgar. You scoundrels! Better though this old Hulk may be, I'll stay with her to the end. Rotten her timbers and shot away her mast. We shan't cease fighting as long as I have a mast over my head. A top sold in my rigging and a good deck under my feet. Uh, Lord Nelson. <laughs> Don't look now, but I think somebody laid an egg in your crow's nest. <laughs> now, hi. Go take a shower and come back. Look, please, uh, please go away and leave me alone. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as I said before tonight... Oh, come in. Hiya, Bob. Well, it's Frankie Lane. Say, Bob, I just found out that you were going to England, so I dropped around to say goodbye. Well, thanks a lot, Frankie. That's very nice of you. Look, I know everybody must be asking you this, Bob, but why do you keep traveling all the time? Well, it's in my blood, Frankie. You know, I was born in a Greyhound bus. <laughs> no, no, Frankie. All the kids in my family were born on the bus. In fact, my mother used to name us after the scenery she saw through the window. I never told anybody before, but my full name is Robert Burmashave Hope. <laughs> You know, Bob, I feel sorry for you practically growing up in a bus. Well, later on it got better, Frankie. Paul bought a car. A car? Yeah, but Paul didn't even know how to change a tire. He had to call the auto club for everything. We kids didn't even have diapers, just old inner tubes. <laughs> inner tubes for diapers? Yeah, Paul called the auto club for everything. So you see... <laughs> so you see, I can't help traveling, Frankie. It's just that I can't make up my mind to settle down. Well, you'd better hurry because your body is beating you to it. <laughs> pretty sneaky. <laughs> you look like you've been eating pretty regularly yourself, Frankie. What used to be a lane is now a boulevard. Touche, Robert. Look, let's drop this kind of talk because I don't want to get you sore at I really came here to ask if I could go to England with you. Hey, gee, that's a great idea, Frank. Well, we already have a man singer for our overseas show. You have who? Me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to sing all over Europe. Does the United Nations know about this? Please, no cracks about my voice. I can sing just like Mel Tremay if I get sick enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look, what kind of songs do you plan to do, Bob? Uh, Western numbers. You know, the new craze over there is American cowboy songs. In fact, I've written a small bundle to take with me. What's the name of it? Oh, there's a candle burning in your silver hair tonight, Mother. And I have another one that I think will be a smash. When I tell you I love you, you pay no heed. Just pick your teeth for the tumbleweed. <laughs> I'm pretty anxious to go to Europe with you, and I'd even be willing to change my style of singing and go western. Well, I'll have to see how our voices go together. Give us some cowboy music, Les. Oh, bury me now. Don't you do it to me. On the lone prairie. Don't you bury me there. Where the coyotes howl. Hey, where, oh, oh. And the wind blows free. All oh, the air's on the cuff. We're, We're a couple of cowboys far away from home. That's enough, Tony. That's enough. Okay, back to the union. Say, uh, <laughs> say, Arizona. Uh, what you want, Pismo? I'm, I'm tired of drifting around. I'm gonna get me a gal and get hitched. A girl? Yeah, you know what do you dream about at night? Lizards. <laughs> Look, I gotta finish dressing. Hand me my 38s. Here you are. Now hand me my 38s. Here you are. Well, that takes care of our shorts. Where's our gun? <laughs> well, I'm gonna take off, Arizona. I don't know where you're going tonight, but make sure you stay away from my gal, Conchita. Gizmo can't tell me what to do. I'm just as much of a cowboy as he is. Just look how bow-legged I am. I'm so bow-legged, if I don't wear sandpaper chaps, the horse slides right through. I'll show Pismo. I'll take a shortcut and get to Conchita's house before he does. I, uh... I ain't never seen a jet horse, didn't it? I ain't never seen Conchita, but this is where she lives. I'll play my guitar and imitate Pismo and see if she comes out in the balcony. To spend one hour with you In our rendezvous And reminisce with you That's my desire beautiful flower of the prairie, come to your window. You calling me? <laughs> Are you Conchita? Si. They told me you were the most beautiful flower of the prairie. Will the frost heat everything? <laughs> Are you really what they call a Spanish muchacha? Well, yes, but lately I'm getting short of butcha and I'm all out of cha-cha. If you get a chance to get it back, refuse it. You know, you look like a real reap-snorting cowboy. Yeah, I've ripped a few snorts in my time. What's going to happen, Conchita? Oh, I'd like to come out, but my father's very strict. <laughs> Why, do you know my father won't let me step one foot out of the house? Why not? Afraid you'll eat the gopher bait? 
to spend one hour with you in our old rendezvous. Whoa! Say, uh, Conchita, I didn't see you over at the dance. No one asked me to go. Well, shucks, ma'am. If then I'd have known you'd have wanted to have gone, I'd have come and fetched you myself, or at least I'd have seen that you got to get to go. <laughs> time we gotta hire an actor you know that <laughs> give this one guy one line he sounds like you swallowed Roy Acuff <laughs> well I'm here Conchita can I come in and set a spell no well how about me no you mean as someone else see I met him today and he fell madly in love with me gee Frankie I wonder who it is what can anyone see in a dame who looks like Conchita? As soon as this old Hulk may be, I'll stay with her to the end. Rock those cymbals and shut Get out of here, I Get out of here. Everybody wants to go to And here is Frankie Lane with one of his old-time favorites. Frankie, boy, thank you. If you're troubled by the blues, Live, live till I die. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gon
Frankie Lane. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past eight weeks, I've been the luckiest actor because I've been making a picture with one of the most glamorous personalities in show business, and here she is, everybody's favorite brunette, Hetty Lamar. Thank you, Bob. Uh, it's wonderful having you here tonight, Hetty. Well, it was nice of you to invite me, but I really don't understand why. Well, what do you mean? Well, for the past two months, we've been working together, seeing each other every day. How can you stand the sight of me? <laughs> Sit down. This may take a little time. <laughs> no, Bob, I don't trust you. You don't? No, furthermore, I'm going to move out of my dressing room. It's too close to yours. You mean... Yes, I found out you were digging a tunnel. <laughs> it so happens that I'm digging that tunnel to get in practice. Practice? Yes, my next contract is to dig a tunnel from the main gate here to the Mexican village. That's the Coronado Soda Fountain here. I don't... You know, now that we're through making our picture, I'll miss you, Bob. Really? Bob, remember the time we did that love scene in the rain? Yeah. Oh, and you let me stand under your nose so I wouldn't get wet? You know, Hattie... You know, Eddie, I was really thrilled with my part in the picture. It's such a sophisticated role. Well, I think you handled it very well. Oh, I knew I could do it. It's just that they've been holding me back. I think there's a plot against me over there. Why, Bob, they're very fond of you at Paramount. Several times I've heard the executives talking about you. Really? What'd they say? Well, I don't know. They always make me leave the room. <laughs> you think that's bad, they always make me stay. <laughs> but, Hattie, you've really lived. You've had Charles Boyer make love to you, and now me. Well... <laughs> well, that's right. Comedy and tragedy. <laughs> Well, after all, how can I compete with Boyer? With that lower lip of his, he can kiss a girl and shine her shoes at the same time. Say, <laughs> hey, Hattie, do you think we can arrange our schedule so we can do another picture together? Oh, I don't know, Bob. I think one is enough. But, Hattie, I've already got a script for another picture. It's even more sophisticated than our last one. Should we run through a scene or two? Well, I'd rather not, Bob. Oh, but, Hattie, you're such a brilliant actress. Flattery won't help. Look, Eddie, if you do this scene, I'll give you a great big kiss. Threats won't help either. 
Wait a minute, gal. If you were a man, I'd... I'd... I'd feel miserable. All right, Bob. Let's do the scene. Our scene is a luxurious penthouse apartment overlooking all of San Diego. It is the apartment of the beautiful Countess Maria von Trebisch. And one of her many suitors, Robert Van Weskett, enters. Robert? Precious. Beloved. Darling. My own. Dearest. Sweet one. Pet. Pigeon. We're a little late, so good night, folks. Ah, darling, it is good to see you. Wasn't that a mad time we had at Lady Crandine's champagne party? Oh, yes. You drank champagne out of my slippers all night long. Oh, it was wonderful. Yes, but I wish you'd let me take my foot out first. (laughs) I didn't notice it. Say, uh, no matter. Shall we... It was a jam session. Shall we, uh... I'll get something here. No matter. to take that line back, huh? <laughs> no matter. Shall we get comfy, dear? Now, how about a drink? Oh, fine. I'll have 12 fingers of bourbon, a pint of scotch, a quart of gin, and a glass of milk. A glass of milk? Yes, I don't want to ruin my stomach. <laughs> Maria, I can't tell you how frightfully happy I am when we're together. Robert, talk, talk, talk. Is that all you can do? What do you mean, darling? Give me your lips. All right, but there'll be a nickel deposit on each lip. <laughs> See here, Maria, I came here to talk tonight. I want you to be my wife. Why? Well, you're a woman and a human being. <laughs> a rare combination, and therefore... <laughs> therefore, I think it would be ginger of you to marry me so, so that we may grow old together. Grow old together? I'm afraid that would be impossible. Why? You have such a head start. <laughs> Well, my dear, what's your answer? Oh, I'd love to, Robert, but I shouldn't like to hurt Rodney Van Everback. Rodney Van Everback? Yes, you shall never have Maria. Rodney. I knew there was something going on here. What are you doing? We were just having a drink. (laughs) You're not supposed to get last with your part, you know. (laughs) What are you drinking? Bourbon. Chaser? I was going to, but you came in. So, what are you up to, you scallywag? <laughs> How dare you? My scally doesn't wag any more than yours. You'll not marry Maria so long as I have anything to say. Look out, Robert. He has a gun. Don't shoot. Eddie. We'd better get out of here. What? Some of those shots came from the audience.
this is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Just like last time, we have two very special guests, and we'll talk about both of them. Frankie Lane was born Francesco Paolo Lavecchio in Chicago, 1913. My Italian is not the greatest. I hope I pronounced that right. (laughs) His father, for a period of time, worked as the personal barber of gangster Al Capone. Frankie started singing in the Catholic Church Choir as a youngster and then at parties and dances when he was in high school. After high school, he toured with the Mary Gardens Marathon Dance Company. There's a mouthful for you. Ed Gorman writes in his blog about this episode in Frankie Lane's life. Altogether, Lane participated in 14 marathons, coming in first on three occasions. He and his partner, Ruthie Smith, made it into the Guinness Book of World Records for dancing 145 days straight, although he disputed Guinness, saying he and Smith danced for 146 days. Although, I don't know. Once you, once you get, you know, past 100 days, you, what's, a, what's a day or two when you're, when you're dancing? <laughs> Well, not just a dancer. Frankie also sang for those when he was people when he wasn't dancing during the 15-minute breaks that they were given. Man, he worked hard. He changed his professional name to Frankie Lane in 1938 upon receiving a job singing for the New York City radio station WINS. He was still struggling to hit the big time though. And Lane ended up working in a munitions plant during the first part of World War II. In 1943, he moved to California and got some work in pictures as a singer. Lane finally hit the big time in 1946 with a 15-year-old song that no one remembered and thought was a newly written song. The name of the song was That's My Desire, and it became Lane's first gold record, and many more soon followed. In 1949, he recorded That Lucky Old Son, which went to number one. The song fell to number two after a little while, but the interesting thing is that the new number one song was Mule Train, also recorded by Frankie Lane. Lane became the first artist to hold the number one and the number two positions at the very same time. And the thing is, the songs are very different songs. Go out to wherever you get your music, you know, Spotify or or YouTube or wherever, look up Frankie Lane and listen to That Lucky Old Son and then listen to Mule Train. They are incredibly different genres. He had hits in every genre and had an incredible range of style. In all, 
In his career, Frankie Lane sold well over 100 million records and had 21 gold records. He was hugely popular, not only in the United States, but also in Britain and Australia. In fact, some would say that he was a bigger hit in the UK than he was in the United States. From 1951 to 1963, Frankie Lane was signed with Capitol Records, and in that time, he had 39 hit records. He also did many famous movie and TV songs and soundtracks, like uh, for the movie Gunfight at the OK Corral in 1957, also in 1957, The 310 to Yuma. Uh, In 1974, soundtrack to Blazing Saddles, Uh, again, a comedy movie. And he sang the theme song for the TV show Rawhide from 1959 to 1966. But he not only did he sing the song, he also made guest appearances as uh, in various cowboy roles. And not just a singer, not just doing some acting, but Frankie Lane was also a lyricist. On June 12, 1996, he was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 27th Annual Songwriters Hall of Fame. He was also inducted into the Hit Parade Hall of Fame in 2008, and he has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for music and one for TV. He was still singing well into his 90s. His last professional appearance was in 2006. He appeared on the PBS special My Music, and even though he had recently had a stroke, he performed his first big hit, That's My Desire, and received a standing ovation. Frankie Lane died in 2007. He was 93. The second guest star that Bob Hope had today was Hedy Lamar. What an incredible woman. She was born Hedwig Eva Maria Keisler in 1914 in Vienna, Austria, to well-to-do Jewish parents. She won a beauty contest at age 12 and began acting in her teen years. In 1933, she became very well known for, at the tender age of 18, being cast as the lead in a film directed by Gustav Muchadi. The name of the film was entitled Ecstasy. The film won awards in Rome and was critically acclaimed, but was banned in the U.S. for being overtly sexual and banned by the Nazis once they came to power in Germany because Hedy was part Jewish. Now, later that same year, Hedy married Friedrich Mandel, who was 15 years her senior. He was 33 years of age at the time they were married. He was rich, charming, and fascinating, and the young Hetty fell for him. However, he was also a controlling and powerful man. He was an arms dealer with ties to Benito Mussolini in Italy and the up-and-coming Nazi party in Germany. Before they wed, he insisted that she convert to Catholicism, which she did. And then after they wed, he refused to allow her to continue her acting career. And she described her life as being held a virtual prisoner in Castle Schwarzenau, where they lived. 
After a few years of this, she fled her husband and her home, going first to Paris and then London. Now, I couldn't find anything anywhere, but I'm curious why the guy didn't chase her. But maybe uh, he tried or maybe he just figured he'd cut his losses uh, because this was getting to the place where World War II was about to begin and he was too busy selling arms to the fascists. Who knows? But once in London, Hetty met Louis B. Mayer in 1937. Now, Louis B. Mayer was the head of MGM. He tried to lowball her with an offer at first. She refused, but uh, she happened to be booked on the same ship back to America as Louis B. Mayer was on. And so she turned on the charm, and by the end of the voyage... He had signed her to a contract of $500 a week with the provision that she change her name from Hetty Keisler to Hetty Lamar. Well, she did. And Mayer began promoting her as the world's most beautiful woman. And not many people dispute that billing. She made her first Hollywood film entitled Algiers in 1938 opposite Charles Boyer. Over the next few years, she had a number of hit movies, like Boomtown in 1940 with Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy. I watched that one not too long ago. Not a bad movie. And then in that same year, Comrade X, also with Clark Gable. In 1941, another big hit, The Sigveld Girls, with James Stewart, Judy Garland, and Lana Turner. She enjoyed her greatest success, however, playing the role of Delilah opposite Victor Mature as the biblical strongman in Cecil B. DeMille's Samson and Delilah. This was in 1949. It was a huge commercial success and was the highest grossing picture of 1950 and won Academy Awards for Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design and was nominated for five Academy Awards. She won critical acclaim from everyone for her portrayal of Delilah. Here's just a couple of the reviews. The Showman's Trade Review commented in this way, quote, Miss Lamar is just about everyone's conception of the fair-skinned, dark-haired, beauteous Delilah, a role tailor-made for her and her best acting chore to date, unquote. Photoplay magazine wrote, quote, As Delilah Hedy Lamar is treacherous and tantalizing, her charms enhanced by Technicolor. Unquote. And then, of course, today we heard about her 1951 film with Bob Hope that was entitled My Favorite Spy. Well, unfortunately, Hedy Lamar's career went downhill after the early 50s. And she found it harder and harder to get starring roles. What we might not know about Hedy Lamar, though, was that she was quite intelligent and was an inventor. She dated Howard Hughes for a while, and he encouraged her in her inventive tinkering hobbies, as it was referred to. But her most significant invention is one that is still in use today in technologies like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. It's called frequency hopping, or 
spread spectrum frequency hopping. She developed and patented it in 1942 with her friend and composer and pianist George Antiel. Radio-controlled torpedoes in World War II could be jammed with a matching signal sent out by the enemy and thrown off course. When Lamar heard about this, her and her friend Antiel developed a device that created a frequency-hopping signal that could not be tracked by the enemy. They did this by synchronizing a miniaturized player piano mechanism with radio signals. If the same two um, devices, the one in the torpedo and the, the one with the guidance system in the ship, were set at the same time with the same frequency-hopping uh, code, it, it, the, co- the codes at that time were in uh, rolls, like, you know, uh, if you've ever seen one, an old player piano, it has a, a roll of paper with holes in it, and, and the holes represent the notes that are played. Well, if it, they did that, you know, with the torpedo and with the, uh, in the ship with the guidance signal, and if those were both in sync, the frequencies would change at a specified time and the enemy could never even if they found one of the signals it would soon change to a different frequency and it wouldn't be jammed well unfortunately even though it worked well it was too difficult for the navy to implement at that time uh, they put it on the shelf and whether they did this on purpose or who knows they waited to use her invention until they claimed the patent had expired although it really hadn't they finally in the 50s used the technology uh, in signaling buoys well finally In 1997, Canadian company Wylan signed an agreement with Hedy Lamarr to acquire 49% of the marketing rights of her patent and a right of first refusal for the remaining 51% in exchange for 10 quarterly payments. This turned out to be the only financial compensation that she received for her frequency-hopping spread-spectrum invention, although she finally did, even though it was late in her life, become credited with and honored for her invention and her intelligence. Unfortunately, Hetty's personal life was not very happy. She was married and divorced six times and became estranged from all three of her children. Instead of aging gracefully, she tried to undo growing older with plastic surgery. The results were not good. To put it mildly, if you look at any pictures of Hedy Lamar later in life, you can see what plastic surgery did to her. She also struggled, uh, whether it was mental illness, depression, uh, who knows exactly why, but she was arrested twice for shoplifting. The first time in 1966, she was arrested in Los Angeles. Uh, it, It went to trial, and the jury ended up acquitting her on all charges. But then in 1991, she was arrested in Florida Uh, This time for stealing $21.48 worth of laxatives and eye drops. Uh, 
Very sad. She pleaded no contest in order to avoid a court appearance, and the charges were dropped in return for her promise to refrain from breaking any laws for a year. She just became more and more of a recluse and hardly ever left her home during the last 20 years of her life. There are two documentaries on Hedy Lamarr that I would recommend. One, because it's free to watch and it's on YouTube, so it'd be very easy to watch, although I don't think it presents a full and accurate picture of her life. The documentary is called Hedy Lamarr, and it was done in 2011 as part of the Extraordinary Women series. If you look that up on YouTube, you'll be able to watch it. I'll also put a link to that in the show notes on our website. The other is a 2017 documentary, which I watched recently, and it's very good. It's called Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story. And a while back, this is when I watched it, it was on Netflix. Well, it's not on Netflix anymore, but it can be rented on Amazon Prime, and you could probably also rent the DVD of it for free from your local library. I know I looked up my local library, and it's available for uh, checkout there. So two ways to watch that. That's the one I'd really recommend. Hedy Lamar died in 2000. She was 85. Well, thanks for listening through all of these long biographies, but two fascinating individuals who were guests on the Bob Hope Show today. Please send your questions and comments to host at classiccomedyotr.com. Come back next Wednesday for another episode of the Bob Hope Show and check in on Friday for the next installment of The Life of Riley. Until we meet again, in the words of Soren Kierkegaard, Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards.